The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue with the Tom Sumner program as we roll into our uh, third half, uh, the third hour of our three-hour tour. We're going to talk about a new book written by Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley called Simple Truths of Leadership, and... Um, I have joining me by phone one of the authors, Randy Conley, is with me by phone, still waiting to hear from Ken Blanchard. Uh, but Randy, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I just saw my cell phone start vibrating, so I don't know if uh, Ken maybe has the wrong number. Hopefully he'll join us here in a moment or two. Um, but let me, let me start with this, Randy. How did... Uh, how did you and Ken get together and, and decide to write this book? Well, I have had the pleasure of working with Ken for over 25 years. And for the last 15 of those years, I have been focused on the field of trust, building trust in relationships, specifically in a leadership, you know, organizational context. And Ken and I had always talked about doing a book together. You know, Ken likes to tell the story that he's written, I think this is his 66th book, and he's only written two books on his own, one about golf and the other about his spiritual journey. And uh, he's always written with co-authors because he just loves to learn from other people. And so we had always talked about doing a book together. Uh, we both have a similar philosophy in trying to take the complex um, aspects of leadership and distilling them down to simple, actionable principles that people can apply. And uh, so we, we started working on this about five years ago, you know, and we would tinker on it here and there and uh, put it on the back burner and get busy with other things. But... Uh, one of the few things that came out of the summer of 2020 when the pandemic, you know, was raging hot and heavy was it gave us a little bit of time to sit down and finish the book. And um, next thing you know, here we are. We finally wrapped it up. Well, and as hoped, uh, Ken Blanchard has joined us and uh, he's with us by phone as well. Good morning, Ken. Welcome to the show. Well, good, Tom. How are you doing today? Doing just fine, thanks. And I, I was just asking uh, 
Randy about how the two of you got together to write this book, but I want to start out by saying there's an awful lot of information on the cover of this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if um, now, and and I don't mean you should judge a book by its cover, but there is. Uh, you talk about simple truths of leadership is the title, but then there are a couple of uh, a couple of other um, subtitles. Fifty-two ways to be a servant leader and build trust, and then making common sense common practice. That's a lot of information. Uh, you talk about servant leader building trust at a time when people don't have a lot of trust in their government leaders and the media and so on. And and then, you know, why common sense isn't common practice is a question I've been asking for years. <laughs> um, Ken, do you want to weigh in on that? Because there's a there's a lot of lot of information there. What does it mean to let's start with um, what it means to be a servant leader. Well it's interesting, uh, Tom, because uh, I've been studying and <clears throat> talking about servant leaders for a long time, and then talking with Randy, servant leaders uh, build trust, and trust and and servant leadership, as Randy's probably told you, is you know kind of go together. And and to to me, when I talk to people about servant leadership initially, <clears throat> they think I'm talking about the inmates running the prison or trying to please everybody or some religious movement, but they don't understand that this two parts of servant leadership. There's the leadership part, which is about vision, direction, values, and goals, because leadership's about going somewhere. Uh, and uh, that's the responsibility of the hierarchy. It doesn't mean you don't involve your people, but if people aren't clear on what they're being asked to do and what good behavior looks like and what their values should guide their behavior, shame on you, because it's your responsibility. Once the leadership part of servant leadership is clear, which is about where we're going and the results we want. Then we turn the pyramid upside down and we get to the servant part of servant leadership. And now you work for your people. Your job is to help them win, help them live according to the vision, accomplish their goals and and all. So it's a great one-two punch and it emphasizes both results and people and relationships. Well, and Randy mentioned that he'd been studying trust for a long time, and trust is is something that's um, more va- valuable than uh, than gold these days, um, it, and it seems to be in short supply. Um, what? How do you? Um, how, how do you replace or, or restore trust? How do you build trust, especially in these days when people don't, you know, they doubt science, they they doubt their elected leaders, they doubt law enforcement, they doubt the media. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's just so much mistrust. How do you right. how do you start building trust and and where can you build it so that everybody sees it and knows that trust exists again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, you you're hitting at the heart of the challenge, Tom. There is so much <clears throat> mistrust in in our world today. I think part of that stems from people assuming trust just sort of happens. You know, they don't have a clear idea of what trust actually is. And when you look at all the research on trust, 
you discover that there's actually four distinct elements that comprise trust in a relationship. And we've captured those elements in, in a easy-to-remember acronym that we call the ABCDs of trust. And they represent the four elements. So the A stands for able. Are you competent in what you do? Are you an able person? Do you have the knowledge, the skills, the expertise for your given role? Does, does credibility stands, count in that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and that's the next element. B, believable. Are you a person of integrity? Are you a credible person? Do you have honorable values? Do you walk the talk, you know, so to speak? The C stands for connected. Do you demonstrate care and concern for others? And the D is dependable. Do you honor your commitments? Do you do what you say you're going to do? And if all of us as leaders, regardless of your role, because all of us are leaders in some context, right? If you're trying to influence the behavior or the actions of another, you're a leader. You're engaging in leadership. So all of us as leaders uh, would be better off remembering we need to uh, model what trustworthy behavior looks like. Are we able, believable, connected, and dependable? And when we do that consistently, people will see that. Um, and, and I think that's a problem that we have in our culture today is that uh, a lot of leaders have lost sight of those four elements of trust. And they think if, if they just have one of those, you know, if I'm just super good at what I do, it doesn't matter how I treat people or it doesn't matter if I'm a person of integrity. And the reality is you have to have all four of those elements to have a really healthy level of trust. So trust is not a default. Correct. It doesn't just mysteriously happen like some sort of relationship osmosis. You have to be very intentional. But that's the good news. That's one of our simple truths is that trust is a skill that can be learned and developed. And when you learn about those four elements of trust, and start to use behaviors that align with those four elements, then you're on the road to building high-trust relationships. And Ken, um, another one of the uh, phrases from the cover of the book, and, and I thought maybe you'd comment on it for a moment, is common sense, making common sense common practice. Why isn't common sense common practice or, or default? Well, <clears throat> One of the things that we have found, Tom, is the human ego gets in there, and and we call that kind of edging God out or everything good outside, and and that's when you think that the world circles around you. Uh, and there's two ways that the ego gets in the way. One is false pride, when you have a more than philosophy, you think you're brighter than, smarter than, and all. <clears throat> and then there's there's fear and self doubt where you have a less than philosophy. You, don't think you're as good and all that kind of thing. And those focus yourself on on yourself. And the, the way to overcome false pride is humility. And a lot of people, again, think humility is a weakness. But I think it was C.S. Lewis or Rick Warren or some people give me credit for saying people with humility don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And so people who are able to be servant leaders and build trust are ones who feel good about themselves. 
And the way to overcome fear or self-doubt is to realize my mother used to say to me, don't you act like you're better than anybody else, but don't let anybody else act like they're better than you. God didn't make any junk. There's a pearl of goodness in every human being. Dig for it. So I've been a digger for a long time. And <laughs> so I think it's the ego. We've, we've started a 12-step Egos Anonymous. You probably would get a kick out of that. We have yeah. you know, CEOs, when they have a weekly meeting with their people, they start off with an Egos Anonymous, and everybody has to one by one stand up and say, Hi, I'm Ken. And they all go, Hi, Ken. And then I have to say, I'm an egomaniac. And then I have to either give a false pride or <coughs> fear or self-doubt comment, uh, you know, that I've engaged in the last week. And I always say, if you can't think of one time this last week when your ego didn't get in the way, either with false pride or fear or self-doubt, you lie about other things, too. <laughs> I was I was at a workshop once. They were talking about uh, leadership, and, and they listed the name of uh, several CEOs. Lee Iacocca was one of them. And and they were all big names like that that had, you know, headed up uh, huge companies. And they said that one of the things that all of those men had in common is that they had all been fired. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a good learning experience. Well, it, it is a good learning experience, and, and the thing is, is, is this notion that, that even, even a good leader is probably not perfect. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, all, all, I would 100% agree with that. You know, failure is one of life's greatest teachers, isn't it? And God, I uh, should be a genius one of them, by now. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, right. We should all be geniuses. That's for sure, Tom. One, one of our simple truths that we mention in the book is that um, one of the best ways that leaders can build trust is to admit their mistakes. There are few things as powerful as a leader saying to their team, you know what, guys? I goofed up. I blew it. And I own that. And I'm sorry for, you know, the, the frustration, the pain, or the trouble that it caused. That goes such a long way because your people then start to see you as a real person, right? You have faults. You make mistakes. You're not setting yourself up on a pedestal. Um, so when leaders can really admit their mistakes, that, that really sets them apart <clears throat> for, you know, being a high trust High trusted servant leader. Tom, you'll enjoy this. Uh, Gary Ridge, who's uh, headed up WD 40 for the last 20 or more years, uh, when he took over as president, he said, this, From now on, there's going to be no more mistakes at WD 40. They're only learning opportunities. Oh, and it's that's just fine. amazing when you, when you re, uh, you know, define that kind of thing. People come to him and say, Boy, Gary, do we have a learning experience? learning opportunity yesterday it might have been a big mistake and he'd say well what do we learn from this you know rather than you know uh running around trying to catch people doing things wrong you know learning is uh, such an important part of uh, uh leadership and and i want to i want to get into more of this uh, but i have a break here um guys can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more sure 
Great. Sure can. My guests are Ken Blanchard and Randy Conley, the authors of Simple Truths and Leadership. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor, 
she calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about leadership with uh, the co-authors of a new book called Simple Truths of Leadership. They are uh, Ken Blanchard, and uh, also uh, with us is uh, Randy Conley and... um, Ken, Randy, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. That's all right. It's interesting uh, stuff you're sharing with people. <laughs> it's not typical ad. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to be on a, an old-school radio program. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just think, uh, um, you know, we, we get too much of our information from bumper stickers and Facebook memes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk a little bit more about it. And we got a chance uh, in the last segment to to start talking about some of the simple truths of leadership. But let me, Ken, let me ask you this uh, first. Um, are there natural-born leaders, or is is there really a, um, a set of, of um, a checklist, if you will, that, that people have to learn and develop in terms of skills to become a good leader? I think there are definite skills, Tom, that people need to learn. Some people just are naturally uh, good at them, you know, because they're, they're comfortable with who they are. And the skills you need to have are you need to listen more than tell, you need to ask more more than, than say, you need to, you know, uh, exude confidence in people, you need to get out of your own way and emphasize it's about we not me uh but uh, uh those can those things can be learned if people realize that they're important and <clears throat> can make a difference in their lives the lives of their people and the performance of their organization i want to i, I want to bring randy in again on uh the the issue of trust um because I, that's that's something that's um, you know gone so awry in this country in the last few years, and um, I, I, I'm curious how we how we start building trust again. Um, if if you're talking about a one-on-one relationship, how do you, how, who who starts? Who starts is the leader, Tom. One of the simple truths that we cover is that someone has to make the first move to extend trust in a relationship, and leaders go first. Um, Too many leaders think that just by virtue of their title or position that their team members should automatically trust them, and that's not the way it works. Leaders have to first extend trust to the people they lead. And that requires a risk, right? If there's no risk involved, then there's really no need to trust. That's, that's a sure thing. That's a guarantee, right? We would take that bet in Vegas every day of the week. Uh, 
but if there's any risk involved that you may uh, that someone may not fulfill their end of the bargain that you may get hurt that you may be disappointed then trust is required and someone has to make the first move otherwise the two parties are in a stalemate right and I think that's what we see a lot of today is no one is willing to first extend trust to the other side and uh, and so we we get bogged down in this quagmire of you know it's either my way or the highway there's no willingness to discuss anything in the middle uh, because we're not willing to to extend trust to each other and Ken you said there are 50 uh, well the cover of the book claims 52 ways to be a servant leader and build trust when I read that I thought of the old uh, Tim Wilson song where he's talking about his dad was on his deathbed and he said son there's a hundred things you need to know in life here's 50 of them um, <laughs> um, and, and I couldn't help thinking of that um, how did you settle on 52 well one of our thoughts Tom was that with 52 you could take one a week at 52 for for the year, and we hope that people will share this with their people. Uh, simple truths of leadership is not something you should do to people. It's something you do with uh, people. And so you can take a, a, a simple truth a week and talk with your people about it, or you can take several a uh, week. But we wanted to have them. And so it's so easy to use because on one side, is a concept like the key to developing people is to catch them doing something right, you know. And uh, and then on the other page, it talks about first why people don't use it. I ask people how do they know whether they're doing a good job. The number one uh, answer I get is that nobody's yelled at me lately. You know, no news is good news. <laughs> number one leadership style today around the world is seagull management. You know, you get given an assignment and all of a sudden something goes awry and your your boss flies in, makes a lot of noise, dumps on everybody, and flies out. That's not really good. We, what we need to do is, is wander around and see if we can catch people doing things right, to accent the positive. People really appreciate uh, that. So that's each each uh, simple truth is presented on one side of the page. The, the facing page then talks about uh, the concept, and then the bottom of every single one, it says how to make common sense common practice. So we really want to help people do that. And then we we have a guide, don't we, uh, Randy, at the end of the book? Yeah, we sure do, Tom. We included a discussion guide in the back of the book um, so that leaders uh, in whatever organization they lead, whether it's a business, a nonprofit, a church, a community organization, you can use the discussion guide that's in the back and uh, talk through these concepts with your team. There's 24 thought-provoking questions that, that cover all of the simple truths that we discuss. And it's a great way to uh, personalize and really apply what we've covered in the book. You know, one of the things that, that, um, that you two bring up in, in this book is the role of a successful apology in building trust. And I wonder how much sincere apologies have been damaged 
by politicians and TV evangelists? Oh, that's that's one of my favorite simple truths, Tom. Um, you know, I like to kid around that between Ken and I, we have been married uh, to our spouses. We have a combined, I think, what is it, Ken? Ninety-three years of marriage, sixty for right. you and Margie, and thirty. <laughs> 33 for uh, my wife and I. And so Ken and I both have a lot of experience, Tom, apologizing. We're, we're pretty <laughs> much experts. We're pretty much experts on apologizing. Well, that explains um, a lot, guys, because I, I, I only total out at 21, and it took me two wives to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone who's been married for any length of time understands the value of a good apology. And here's what I think is missing in that is personal remorse and accountability. The key to any successful apology is taking personal responsibility and expressing remorse for, for what you've done to harm the other person. And language is very, very telling. I would encourage everyone listening, start to pay attention to the way we see most politicians or public figures apologize you will rarely hear them say, I'm sorry. You'll hear them say, I apologize. And there's a big distinction between the word apologize and sorry. Apologize is just a recognition of a mistake. You know, Randy, my sorry. favorite my favorite one is uh, the apology that goes, I'm sorry for the hurt I've caused. That is a beautiful apology because it's taking personal responsibility and it, it's an expression of remorse versus I apologize if I offended you, right? You have yeah. conditional language in there that really pushes the responsibility on the other person for being offended, right? Not yeah. because you Yeah, I'm sorry if anyone, you know, um, was hurt by my comments. That's what we, we right. say a lot these days yeah yeah so a, a successful apology is really key to rebuilding trust because it signals to the other person that yeah this this guy gets it he understands that he made a mistake he's owning up to it and he's sincerely committed to you know making things better in the future you tom also a key part of that is sharing your vulnerability i wrote a book with colleen barrett who took over the presidency of Southwest after Herb Kelleher stepped down. One of her favorite sayings is, people admire your skill, but they love your vulnerability. And a lot of people think if you admit that you made a mistake or something, that people say, why, why the hell is that person a leader? No, they're going to say, wow, this is a, a place where you know, we can be real uh, with each other and, and we can share with each other. And so it's a, it's a powerful thing to... to uh, be able to say you're sorry and and, uh, and admit that you that you made a mistake because uh, we're not perfect, as you said. Why is it so hard for for people to say <coughs> uh, to say I'm sorry or or my favorite one that people hate to say is I don't know. Well, because then they think that you you'll think that they shouldn't be leader, and uh, that that's really kind of crazy because. Uh, Again, I think that if you learn to say those kinds of things, people aren't going to think less of you. They're going to think more of you because they're going to think that they can do the same. 
where where does somebody start? I, I what what determines who's going to become a leader and who's not? Well, we kind of think everybody's the leader, don't we, Randy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, as we mentioned earlier, if you are trying to influence someone else, you're engaging in leadership. So as a parent, you're a leader. As a community member, you're a leader. Uh, you know, official leadership roles and organizations. And, um, you know, we, we go back to Robert Greenleaf is considered, you know, one of the pioneers of the modern-day servant leadership movement. And Robert was a uh, an executive at AT&T for a long time. And in the early 70s, he wrote uh, a series of papers about being the leader of servants. And, and he said that what characterizes a servant leader is, first, you have a desire to serve others. And then out of that desire to serve others, you, you realize that you can then lead as an act of service. It allows you to serve in even greater capacity. And so if people can adopt that mindset that leadership is not about you, which is one of the simple truths we share, it's not about you. We, we borrowed that from our friend Rick Warren from his opening line of his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Being a leader is not about you. It's about what you can do for your people to help them be their best, to really help them uh, blossom into the full expression of who they are as individuals. Uh, and if you get that right on the inside, Leadership's an inside-out process. Get it right on the inside, and then the the outward behaviors will start to follow. How how important is having vision to being a leader? <laughs> I think it's really important, uh, Tom. I got a chance to talk to the uh, all the religious right Republicans a few years ago, and <clears throat> and I said to them. You know, here you are in a pissing contest with your opposing party, and uh, you all, you know, know the Bible. What does it say about uh, people without vision? What happens to them? <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they fail. They, they, they don't make it. You know. And uh, I said, what you need to do is look at the, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and all, and come up with a new vision, uh, and then share it with the, the Democrats and say, here's our uh, uh, go on it. What do you think? And because uh, if you don't have a vision, uh, as it says, you're going to perish. You're going to you're going to have problems. And so that's one of our problems in the country now. We don't even agree on values. I thought freedom of speech would be a value, but now if you disagree with some interest group, they don't say let's talk. They surround your business and try to put you out of business. You know. And uh, so we need to get back to the basics. And and uh, the two parts of servant leadership, the leadership part is about vision, direction, values, and goals, and that's, that's what starts it all. Is self-respect important to being able to respect others, or um, can that lead you to ego problems that get in the way? I think it's really important, Tom. Um, once again, one of the simple truths we share is uh, a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. 
he said, self-trust is the first secret of success. And we look at self-trust as a person being very clear on their mission, their personal mission and vision and values. Do you have a clear understanding of why you want to be a leader? Most people get promoted into leadership positions, just sort of the natural progression of their career. Very few people really take time to reflect on... The Peter Principle. Yeah, yeah, you rise to the level of your incompetence, right? And um, But very few leaders take the time to self-reflect and say, why do I want to be a leader? You know, what am I trying to accomplish here? Who were my, my role models as leaders? What did I learn from them? What are my personal values? Um, and so we talk about in the book ways that leaders can do a self-reflective activity to think about their leadership point of view. Because once you're clear on where you're going as a leader, then it makes it so much easier for your people to to follow you. Ken has liked to say for years, if you're leading, if you think you're leading and no one's following, you're just out for a walk. <laughs> and what really matters is are people following you? And, and you've got to be clear on your, your personal mission. Do you have that self-trust, that self-respect to lead in a healthy, serving sort of way? Um, Ken, should a leader be willing to do that which he's asking of other people? Yes, I think uh, <clears throat> you have to model uh, what you want other people to, to do because if they see you say one thing and then you do something others, then they they think that you're uh, you know you're you're playing games with them. And so uh, I think it's being congruent, uh, walking your talk is is really key, don't you think, Randy, as a servant leader? Yeah, it really is. When when you look at the word integrity, um, Tom, you know what that really means is wholeness. When something is integrous, it's whole, it's together. And when we look at our character, do we act in a way that's consistent with what we say we value? Are we a person of wholeness and integrity? And so, as Kim was saying, any leader, if you expect your people to uphold themselves to certain standards, well, by golly, you should be doing the same for yourself. I remember once uh, I, I was in a leadership role and, and someone had brought a suggestion to me about something we needed to, to do, a, a program we needed to initiate. And I, I gave it a lot of thought and, and decided that it was a good idea, but it was too small. And, and so I instituted a much bigger version of it but I pulled that person aside and said you know I never would have done this if it hadn't been for your suggestion because I wanted and, them to know that they had a role <laughs> in it that I didn't just ignore what they said and do something else yeah that's that's catching them doing something right <laughs> which <clears throat> is important for people you know they, to be acknowledged for their contribution. You know, what we have found, <clears throat> Tom, is that people don't want your job. They just want to be involved. And so we talk much more about 
side-by-side leadership today than we talk about top-down leadership. Yeah, I think that's... um I, I think that's important, and and I think you're right. I think people do want to feel heard and included, and like they're playing a role. In you know, it, it's it's not enough to hang up banners. You know, when you reached a, a big goal or something. You know, people need to know that they contributed to that somehow. Hello. Yeah, that's yeah, Tom. Um, our simple truth number 22 in our book is people who plan the battle rarely battle the plan. And it gets at the heart of what we're discussing there. Oh, yeah. When you involve, yeah, what a right? great when way you involve people in, in coming up with the plans and the strategies of what you're going to do, they have a much higher sense of ownership and commitment. And so it's a lot easier to get people, you know, rowing the proverbial boat in the same direction if they've had a hand in setting the course of, of where that boat is going to go. Well, go ahead. I sound like, Ken, were you about to add something? <clears throat> no, I just think that, that that's important, you know. I guess somebody said, what's the big message you want from this book for people? The big message is that effective leadership is about we, not me. And it's about one plus one is a lot greater than two. Uh, and uh, if you want that, you're going to just uh, multiply the impact of your leadership and uh, and have an impact on people's lives in the organization. Well, that's a great note to end on, and we're almost out of time. My guests are Ken Blanchard and... Um, Uh, Randy Conley, who are the co-authors of a book called Simple Truths of Leadership. And uh, Ken, Randy, thanks so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. But I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Um, Is there a website you'd like to share with people? Yeah, there sure is, Tom. If people want to learn more about the book, they can go to simpletruthsofleadership.com and uh, they'll see everything there is to know about the book. Uh, If they're interested in the work that we do as an organization, kenblanchard.com. That's our company's website. They can learn about how we help organizations unleash the potential and power of, of their people. And uh, those two places are great places to start. Well, again, I, I appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Well, good. Thank Take you, care. Tom. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, you're the best. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. Again, that was um, Ken Blanchard, who. Uh, Um, is considered one of the world's most influential uh, leadership experts. He is the co-author of more than 65 books. And uh, Randy Conley, his co-author for this book, uh, who is the Vice President of Global Professional Services for the uh, Blanchard Companies. And uh, they wrote the, the book together, Simple Truths, of leadership. We're going to take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, 
we have some messages as well. We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Whiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed. The tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags. 
And I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, one. Speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription and today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor. And your mother's doctor. And your college roommate's doctor. And your best friend from high school's doctor. And your babysitter's I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. All oh, the Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We have had a problem lately in Chicago with uh, people jumping off ledges. We've always had a problem with people jumping off ledges in Chicago. And uh, so many so that the police department has come out with a regulation uh, on how to handle a guy on a ledge, you know, the patrolman on the beat. The first point is never go out on the ledge in your uniform. You see, because the, the image of authority may be just the reason they're out there to begin with. Secondly, you should be very casual and never issue any direct commands to them. You see, never antagonize them. And thirdly, and this is really, I suppose, a main point, uh, be completely unsympathetic because basically they want to be talked out of it. So I would like to present a Chicago policeman under this new regulation. He sees a guy on a ledge. He slips into his sport jacket and... <laughs> I think he would probably light a cigarette and then he would walk out on the ledge, something like this. Oh, hi! <laughs> you, uh, you thinking about jumping, are you? Your first time, is it? <laughs> Me? No, no, I'm, I'm on my way to work, as a matter of fact. I usually walk around the ledges. I find it kind of helps me unwind. I don't know. You, uh, you don't happen to be in advertising uh, by any chance, do you? Yeah, I was more than a lucky guess. We got a, we got a lot of advertising people out here. Oh, which, which way did you come out, by the way? Did you come out through the window or did you come around the corner of the building? No, the, the reason I asked, uh, there are two other advertising guys on the southeast corner. I thought maybe... <laughs> no, as, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't get their names. Um, I think one guy had the Edsel account or something like that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're drawing a hell of a crowd for a weekday. Yeah, really. The last couple of years, uh, jumping has, uh, has really uh, fallen off. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it that way. I... No, really, seriously. Uh, you, you take 1929, for example. Uh, you literally couldn't get out on this ledge in 1929. <laughs> no, we, we had people uh, lined up in the corridors just waiting to get out on the ledge. Finally, uh, we finally went to that numbered card system they use in the butcher shop. You, you probably see. 
Well, you see the, see the cart down there? Yeah, the, the hot dog stand? That's Sam, the hot dog man. Hi, Sam, how are you? How's, how's the what? I just tell him, hell of a crowd for a Thursday, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, have, have you eaten, by the way? Well, don't be so. Uh, two, Sam. <laughs> you, you, want, you want everything on it? Uh, two, two with everything, Sam. No, no, to go, Sam, to go. Something turned you in. Yeah, you see, see the, the guys with the net down there? Yeah, they're, they're firemen. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'll give you a little tip there. You, you might kind of edge your way toward the corner of the building, you see. Then they'll start to follow you. Then you run back here and jump. <laughs> well, they, they get all confused and they start pulling different directions. They'll, they'll never make it back in time, believe me. <laughs> Don't be silly. I'm glad to do it for you. Listen, gee, I really ought to be getting to work, you know. I'd love to stay around and catch it. No, don't be silly. Take, take your own sweet time about it. Yeah, that is a long way down, isn't it? You, um, you're kind of chickening out now, huh? That happens quite a bit. You, you, you have a certain responsibility to those people down there, though. I, I, well, some of them have been there a half an hour or so, you know. No, no, it's, it's up to you. I mean, uh, if you don't want to, you, you know, you don't have to. Well, all right, sure. Uh, well, listen, I'll, I'll get in and then, and then you follow me, all right? Okay. Oh, uh, uh, one... Now, where the hell did he go? This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
And that's a fact. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I want to say thanks to uh, all of you who tuned in. I hope you enjoyed the guests as much as I did, including uh, the two guests we had this last hour, authors of uh, Simple Truths of Leadership. They were uh, Ken Blanchard and, uh, darn it, I, I, his, Randy Conley. His name is on the, uh, the second page, and I keep having to turn the page because um, I'm so bad with names, but uh, thanks to both of them. Also, Nims Persia, what an amazing accomplishment. The uh, book from National Geographic about Nims's accomplishment, Beyond Possible, One Man, 14 Peaks, and the Mountaineering Achievement of a Lifetime. And we started out this morning with a delightful conversation with uh, children's book author Christine Keck, the author of uh, The Moon Thief. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow morning. Going to kick it off with a uh, pre-Super Bowl party with Sean Cantwell. Join us. Good night, everybody. Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.